Welcome back to the dark side. Thanks. I'm your host, Brianna. And I'm not the host, but I'm Dyson. <laughs> Do you want the title of co-host? I thought I was Knobwench. Knobwench. Working on the ones and twos. I'm your host, Brianna, and this is Dyson, our <laughs> resident Knobwench. AKA your boy. <laughs> It's your boy. It's your boy. Knobwench. Knobwench. <laughs> okay, Knobwench, thank you for joining me for the third episode in our Forest City series. My pleasure. I'm excited. This one is crazy. Oh, it's crazy? It's crazy. The other ones weren't crazy? Okay, well, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. But, th but this one is like, woof. Balls to the walls crazy. Straight warm fish. Warm fish. Blow your balls off. Blow your balls off. Right. <laughs> okay, so you know how last week <laughs> you're like, take me there. Yeah. Take me there. Let's go. So this this week the case starts in 1974, mm -hmm. and I decided I'd take you to 1974 and give you a bunch of examples as to how 1974 was just straight up wilden. All right. Guys, you ready? Okay. So February 17th, there was a stampede at Zamalek Stadium in Cairo. Mm -hmm. The walls crumbled and fans were crushed before the kickoff. Approximately 50 people died and 50 people were injured. And the stadium had a capacity of 40,000, but 80,000 people tried entering. Holy fuck. <laughs> I'm taking you there. I'm taking you to I'm, 1974. I don't want to be there anymore, Brianna. I, I want out. Get me out of here. No, no, no. You were adamant, and I'm delivering. All right. February 21st, Tim Horton dies at 44. Oh, rip to the OG. <laughs> to my homeboy. He's been just hooking me up with an IV of coffee every morning. He died at 44. February 21st, 1974. Hmm. March 21st. Is that, a, is that a little tidbit or a little timbit? <laughs> Are you comparing the, the life, legacy, and death of Tim Horton to Little? It's what he would have wanted. <laughs> He's a modest man. Yeah, he was a, he was a, a little Canadian gem. Bite-sized. Bite he was not a bite-sized man. He no, he was not. Wasn't he a hockey player? <laughs> yes. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. yeah, he was a hockey player. He was a, a leaf. For a bit, yeah. But at the time he died, he was, I'm pretty sure, Buffalo Sabres. Mm. Do you know mm. how he died? So he went downhill just like the franchise. <laughs> hey, he at least was around when Leafs won cups. Yeah. Hey, um, do you know how Jim Horton died, though? What do you know about Tim Horton other than Tim Hortons? That that was it. That was all of it. That and I think the first one was in Hamilton, I think. It was. The first one was in Hamilton. That's true. Yeah. Um, it's still there, still standing. But yeah, Tim Horton died in um, a car accident. Really? Yeah, he had like a wicked alcohol level. He crashed his fancy car and died. That got dark. Like they're dark roast. Mm. I'm going to stop. I'll stop. Stop. I'm just, I can't believe you didn't know that. I didn't know he died like, like James Dean. <laughs> plus some alcohol. <laughs> and plus like 23 years. <laughs> he was also a sex icon. So let's be honest. Tim Horton, sex icon. <laughs> Baker. It's not just icon. the coffee that's hot. 
<laughs> Always fresh. Always Tim Horton. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that slogan. Mm-hmm. That's the slogan. Okay. All right. March 21st. Candy Darling dies at 29 of lymphoma. I don't know who that is. <laughs> I could literally see the giant question marks in your eyes. You know what Candy Darling is? She's like... She's like a transgender icon, and she's like one of the huge like Andy Warhol superstars. She's in like his movies. He always was like doing photographs, artwork of her and stuff. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't know enough about Andy Warhol. Yeah, Candy Darling. She's only 29. Oh. April 3rd and 4th, a tornado outbreak strikes the central parts of America, killing around 315 people. That was on my birthday. Oh my god. Yeah. That's sad. <laughs> a long well, wait a minute. Were you born in 1974? You're lying to me. He just mouths to me a gentleman never tells. <laughs> oh, here's age a, past uh... Here's a flashback. Here's a flashback. April 5th, AY Jackson dies at 91. Oh shit. Right? So if I'm not even 90. gonna 91 though like he lived a really good life but like if you don't know who ay jackson is then you're not a real listener let me just say yeah we got episodes on episodes plural sods yeah okay here's another here's another one that this one is like obviously it's horrible these are all horrible but like you you asked for this Mm -hmm. may 24th duke ellington dies at 75 in new york city of complications from lung cancer and pneumonia oh no we literally were just looking up duke ellington he was a great jazz musician, though. Isn't that, like, wild, though? Like, the coincidence of that? Yeah, that's so strange. Anyone who watches Big Mouth knows that the ghost that lives in Nick's attic is Duke Ellington. Yeah. And like, uh, I'm no ashamed to admit that I asked Dyson, hey, was Duke Ellington a real person? And he just looked at me like I had nine heads. So. <laughs> he was. He's got, he's got great <laughs> albums. Oh Best played on vinyl, I hear. Well, of course. Yeah. Only a true Dukey would know. <laughs> Wow. Wow. All right. All right. Listener recommendations here. Grab yourself a Duke Ellington album. Set the scene. Turn the lights down low. Put that vinyl record on and just chill. I guess I put that vibrator on. Hey, you know what? He was a good looking man. No, clearly very talented. Yeah. Yeah. Good with his hands. It was money maker. Okay, no, well. <laughs> <laughs> July 8th, the first casualty of an employee at Disney Park happens when, nine days after the America Sings attraction opened, 18-year-old employee Deborah Gale Stone was crushed to death. How? Crushed to death. How do you get crushed to death? So this ride, it's like, an, it's like, a, they say it's, a, it's an attraction, so it's like one of those fucking first of all it's a creepy ass attraction you know how like there's those horrifying pictures of like chuck e cheese and there's those huge animatronic things yes so it's like an animatronic attraction so you like go and sit and in front of it and these weird animatronics sing a song all about america and Mm -hmm. it's apparently the attraction was built on an old the site of an old like merry-go-round so the base spins so they made this america sings attraction that spins around but there's like multiple of them Mm -hmm. so apparently she was trying to jump from one to another and mistimed it and got crushed oh yeah 
Oh my god. Disney isn't only magic. No, it's terrifying. That's a fucking that ruined a few kids seeing that, I bet. I think it was I think it was after hours and I think that's how it happened though because she was like jumping from one um part of it to another and I'm saying that now, but I don't know. I hope that was not in front of a bunch of kids who were like, America, I love you, America. <laughs> Sorry, that was not an appropriate time. Give it help, help. <laughs> I don't think there was any help. I think. No, apparently she did scream for help and people were like, oh, shit. Oh, my Someone God. Someone get her out of here. But yeah, rip oh. to Deborah. Mm-hmm. July 15th. News anchor Christine Chubbuck puts a gun to her head and pulls the trigger on air in Sarasota, Florida, and later died in hospital. Fun fact about that one. There's a movie about that. There's two movies about that. There's, fun fact. There's two movies about and that. And I believe both of them debuted at TIFF. Oh. Pretty sure. I know one did for sure. Yeah, I remember I remember studying. Oh, I don't know why they made a study of that, but in J school, they made us It's like It's a uh, super, of... super, super sad story. There's, they she made is. us watch that, and then also some other guy who just called a news conference, waited for everyone to show up, was on live air, and then just pulled a handgun and... Oh, real, yeah! Real fucked. That, real fucked. Yeah. I don't know why we watched that in college, but apparently that was something that we should watch. Are you so happy that you had to repay loans just to watch something you could have YouTubed? <laughs> I think we did load it up on YouTube. <laughs> I... That's I fucked. Your VHS, right? 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 Help, help. No, no. I mean, someone does. You know, somebody was like taping it and has it in the grandpa's basement somewhere. Oh, for sure. Yeah. September 8th, TWA flight 841 takes off from Athens but crashes into the Ionian Sea 18 minutes after takeoff when a bomb explodes in the cargo hold, killing 88 people. Also, that's just one of the flights that fucking went down in 1974, but there's a lot, and a lot of people die. Where did that come from again? Where? It was taking off from Athens, so Greece. Oh, oh yeah. Tyson, don't pee on Mike. Shake it once, it's fine. Shake it twice, you're playing with it. Shake it once, that's fine. Shake it twice, that's okay. Shake it three times, you're playing with yourself mm. again. Love that Miley song. Oh, it's simple plan. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, Charlotte. I know that. Don't at me. They weren't going to. <laughs> yes, they would. There's people who are good Charlotte heads that are like, oh, actually, that's one of good Charlotte's best-selling songs. How dare you attribute it to Simple Plan? So Canadian. Is this, Simple Plan's Canadian, right? I think so. Fuck. November 13th. <laughs> I say third. November 13th. Mm-hmm. Ronald DeFeo Jr. murders his entire family in their home in Amityville on Long Island. Oh, God. It's that year? Mm-hmm. Do you think I should cover Amityville? Or is that like done and done and people are like, we get it? I mean, I don't know anything really about it other than the movie, and the movie I saw took a lot of liberties, so I, I would like to know about it. Okay, well. Put it, put it. Let me know. Let us know. Yeah, put it in the maybe file. And finally, in March of 1974, Forest City spits out another serial killer, the Mad Slasher. God damn it. 
God damn it. Mm-hmm. I'm not living in not living there anymore. I know, like honestly, shout out to anyone who made it through the 70s because holy shit. And this list I told you, you're probably listening like, okay, okay, I get it. It sucked. It was wild. But like that list is a very small list compared to all of the shit that went down. Also, like, I'm pretty sure Ted Bundy is, is they think, like, they surmise that Ted Bundy started killing in 74. Like, it's a crazy year. Yeah, all the, in the 70s, like, all just it's all just these serial killers. It was fucking, yeah, the Wild West. <laughs> the Wild. There's only room enough in this town for the fucking hundreds of us, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> They were trying to get down to a population of hundreds, I'm pretty sure. Not to do a callback, do you think there was a Dexter serial killer going around killing serial killers? I bet. He's just called London's Revenge. Oh, Oh. in London? Oh, no. I I don't even want to. I can't say. I can't say. I can't say. I don't know. There probably was. Forest City Retribution. For a city retribution. I, hashtag let's reclaim for a city. <laughs> Evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. Sorry. Does it keep cutting out? I'm not hearing any cutout. Why is it mine? Mine being a big, huge turd. Oh, it's cut out. I only have one headphone. Oh, it's better. That's better. Okay, I know what's, I know what's going on. Come on. Oh. Ah! <laughs> I'm deaf. How's that? I have both ears back. That's great. There we go. So active serial killers, sexual offenders, you know, like horrible crimes like that were Mm -hmm. now unfortunately commonplace in Forest City and the surrounding areas. Southwest of London, Ontario is the small town of Strathroy. Like London, it's part of Middlesex County and the two are separated by like just stretches of of farmland that spanned for like miles in 1974 the population was less than 7,000 and it was like a quaint safe town where residents had always prided themselves on not being London oh my god but it was only a matter of time before the areas immediately surrounding London were tainted as well of course It's 9 p.m. on March 1st, 1974, and the mad slasher spots 19-year-old Judith Barksy leaving a local pizza joint. Judith is juggling a pizza, bottles of soda, and a chocolate bar, and has no idea that the mad slasher is watching her. She just wants to get back to her apartment, so she's going to take a shortcut between the vacant lot of a warehouse and the train station. The mad slasher, a brazen opportunist, pursues Judith. Off the main road now, she realizes she's being followed. She keeps looking back at him, and each time he's a bit closer. Ew. Suddenly, she hauls ass for the nearby payphone, dropping her items in the process. She's running so hard and fast that her shoes fly off, but she makes it. She has the phone in her hand. And then she's grabbed by the hair, thrown to the ground, and a jackknife slashes her throat from ear to ear before she has the chance to scream for help, let alone call 911. Oh my god. She just wanted a pizza night. What the fuck? Now she's bleeding to death. And the slasher sexually assaults her and steals the little bit of change that she has in her pockets. 
Oh. Degrading her even further. Yeah, that's bullshit. She would lie there on the freezing pavement for nearly two days before her body was discovered. Two days? Yeah, at this time, it was a, like, wicked cold front that had moved in. So people weren't really going out or doing much. Stop picking days that match the days we record, please. It is freezing today. Holy fuck. Yeah, we had a we had a a, a cold front. A wicked morning. one. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so like, I think that's probably why she was braving the elements, going out there to get a pizza, getting comfort food. She had pizza pop and a chocolate bar. Like she was like, "Girl, I'm gonna post up inside, have me a little cozy night in my apartment. I'm gonna take the shortcut so I can get back there faster." Listen to a little Duke Ellington. There's <laughs> off. On the morning of March third, a man cutting across the property of the warehouse finds the frozen body of judith he sees a trail of a blood spattered pizza box frozen soda bottles the chocolate bar a pair of shoes all leading to a nearby phone booth with its door wide open and the receiver off the hook oh my god so so clear what happened that's how they know the investigators when they came the pizza box did it so oh it's so ominous yeah oh that's fucked. That's horrifying. Oh, it's already upsetting to find a dead body, but then like blood everywhere and clearly someone was running to a payphone. Mm-hmm. F- fuck that. Seven months later, June of 1975, the slasher sees 18-year-old Rosalie Winters. He approaches her and they talk for a second and he learns she's headed to Alexandra Park. Alexandra Park is like this gorgeous like green space in the middle of Strathroy. Mm-hmm. And instead of being like, oh, that's so cool. Why are you going there? It's a beautiful area, I hear. What are you going to do? Like normal things that you would say. Mm-hmm. He says, yeah, I'm going to rape you. Oh. Yeah. So he grabs her. He strangles her to subdue her. But when he tries to take off her pants, the zipper breaks. So he couldn't get them off. And then he's fucking pissed. So he just strangles her into a consciousness, assaults her over her jeans, and then just left her on the side of the road. Okay. But. She lived? Yeah, she did. She was later found conscious. She was obviously hysterical, but she survives her ordeal with the mad slasher. Well, shit. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's good. That's good news. So she saw his face. She did. Hmm. Four months later. 5 p.m. on October 20th, 1975, Louise Jenner's husband comes home to find his 19-year-old wife lying in a pool of blood on the kitchen floor. Police were called to the scene and investigators knew that the man Louise let into the house had quickly overpowered her, raped her, and then allowed her to redress herself. So investigators have speculated that he... Like, they were like, oh, he allowed her to redress herself. That's so weird. Like, this must have been a cruel ruse to make her think that she would survive. Mm-hmm. But I think that he allowed her to, didn't allow her to redress herself. I think that he was, think, like, taking these moments to, like, make a plan of what to do next. That makes sense. What did he do next? Yeah. Well, what did what did he do next? And also, why do they know she redressed herself and not? That's a great point. Yeah. Because 
so that's what they they're like oh my god he this man is sick he let her redress herself he must be taking this as a cruel ruse and then if that is the case then i think that personally he just was trying to plan on what to do next but how can you say that she redressed herself like yeah maybe he redressed her maybe he didn't take all of her clothes off honestly the london police work i'm surprised <laughs> that when they came to the first scene they didn't think the the killer made his own phone call at that <laughs> telephone booth <laughs> Oh my god, the killer's disorganized. He doesn't even know how to hang up a payphone. Did the killer call 911? <laughs> no one did. Dun, dun, dun. The call's coming from outside the house. <laughs> the call's coming from inside the booth. <laughs> this is why I can't be a first responder or whatever those phone... Um, what are the ones um, that... Operator. Answer? Yeah, I can't be that because I probably start every conversation with that. <laughs> call's coming from inside the booth. It's 2022. People are like, what? Booth? Pardon me? <laughs> Swanson residence. Oh, I'm just kidding. That's a joke we play around here. How can I help you? <laughs> Look, that's not funny. I'm dying. <laughs> but honestly, your question is a really good question because I had the same question when I was researching. Like, how can you be certain that he either allowed her to redress or she did redress? Like you there's no way to know that what if he didn't take all of her clothes off or he redressed her it's just a bold statement yeah so like i personally think that if that was the case she was redressed i think that she was redressing herself because i mean you've already been fucking attacked and raped mm -hmm. you're you have no dignity left in that moment mm -hmm. you're already vulnerable the little piece of like taking back the vulnerability is to at least dress yourself again right but i don't think that that was like a cruel ruse i think that he was trying to think about what to do next because obviously this woman already let him in she must know him yeah so after he quote unquote let her redress herself he pulled out his bootlace and strangled her into unconsciousness typical He's always strangling these women into unconsciousness. As she lay on the kitchen floor defenseless, just like he had done with Judith Barksy, so the tele telephone booth lady, mm -hmm. the intruder proceeded to slash her throat from ear to ear with a jackknife. Yeah. Investigators firmly believed that Luis was specifically targeted and knew her attacker. Because again, he was inside the house. Right. Who, like, he could have overpowered her at the door. But we'll see that it, he, she totally knew who he was. Okay. And as quickly as he had just come in, managed to complete his horrible attack, he was gone and there was no physical evidence left behind. So police start their investigation by canvassing the area and like talking to neighbors. Right. And an eyewitness that they talked to said that they saw a man with dark shoulder length hair pull into Louise's driveway that afternoon driving a yellow or cream colored late model Oldsmobile. The man walked up to the house, knocked on the door, and Louise let the man in. That's okay. what an eyewitness saw. So that further goes with the fact that this man was in the house. She let him in. An eyewitness saw him knock on that door and let him in. Also, like, yellow or cream colored. Why does, like, every psychopath have a yellow car? Like, when I was reading that, I was like, okay, so I've read this a million times. Like, the there's a fucking... I don't know 
what fucking twats of the Manson family went to Sharon Tate's house. I don't remember. I don't care about the Manson family. But they had a yellow truck, I think. Mm-hmm. Fucking um, David Berkowitz had a yellow car. That's the son of Sam. Yep. And Ed Kemper had a yellow car. And I'm sure there's more. Also, I think pretty sure that David Berkowitz and Ed Kemper had the same car. It was like a Ford Galaxy or something. Ew. Isn't that wild? Yeah, that is weird. And they're just drawn to yellow cars. I thought Ted Bundy had a yellow car, and I don't it's think very they're... nuclear family of them. <laughs> it is like the white white pickup white pickup white picket fence, the yellow Oldsmobile. I love how you're Ed Kemper who wants to fuck his mom. It's very it's very nuclear. Family. It is not <laughs> nuclear. Fa- Ed cut his mother's head off and fucked her face. It's very nuclear family. It's just... <laughs> it was a different time. It was a different time. It was a different time. People wanted to cut their mother's heads off and fuck their faces. It's a different time. Drive around listening to the Bee Gees in your yellow Oldsmobile. You know, the, the good old days. <laughs> well, people weren't so damn sensitive. <laughs> Isn't that weird, though, the yellow car? It is. I don't understand. <laughs> I was going to pile on it. I decided, no, 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 we should move on. I think that cutting heads off and fucking their mother's faces was enough. Yeah, I think that's it. Strathwaite. Straff. Strathroy. Oh, no. Strathroy and OPP detectives started their. Well, they didn't start the end, but okay, well. The next step for Strathroy and OPP detectives was to start cross-referencing names of locals and people who knew both Judith and Louise, so the two most recent murder victims. Right. They were going to cross-reference people who knew them, people who physically matched the description given by the eyewitness, and people who had access to a car matching that description. Mm-hmm. So the police had come up with a, a small list of suspects, and they started bringing them in for questioning. But there was no evidence. There was, like, none of them confessed to anything. Right. And being a common denominator in a small town where everyone knows everyone anyway wasn't really enough to hold or charge anyone. Yeah. Don't don't tell me they started going, it's an out-of-towner. No, the frustrating part is that of the people that they interviewed, the Mad Slasher was one of them. Oh, god damn it. Yeah, so they were on the right track. Uh, I was going to say, it is anything. decent police work. Right off the, well, sort of right off the bat. We They're didn't start trying. Off, yeah, we didn't start off with the case has gone cold right after the first. No, don't make that face. Well, I mean, think about it. We are in 1975. Okay. Yeah, the cases yeah, are yeah, cold. Yeah. Okay. All right. You're right. <laughs> God damn it. It's, that's the frustrating part, though, is that they were on the right track. They were like, yeah. dude, only so many people can match this description, know these victims, have this car. But there was nothing else. And the yeah. f- they had him. They they questioned him. I get it. I think, they, I think they're doing better than the other ones. Though. I agree. I, I this one is at least. Uh, yeah, I agree. I like agree the connections you. thing is at least they're noticing that there is and I uh, think, something going on. Yeah. yeah. It could be, though, because we're in Strathroy, where at this time the population was 7,000, 7, not even 7,000. Mm-hmm. So it is a smaller pool of people to choose from. And everything like that. But yes, I agree with you. They are trying. They, they are. Yeah. That's the press conference <clears throat> quote. <clears throat> I, guys, we're trying. Okay. Thank you so much for coming. <clears throat> we're trying. 
I'm imagining Zach Galifianakis coming out going, we are trying. And also, it hurts having a beard. <laughs> it hurts. Zach Galifianakis. We're just going to bring in all of the Big Mouth references. Remember when we were watching it? And I was like, wow, the Gratitude sounds like Zach Galifianakis, but there's no way he did this show. And then we Googled it and you were like, um. It's Zach Galifianakis. Zach Galifianakis. With a Southern accent. I feel like gratitude. no one asked him to do that. He just did it. I, oh, 100%. 100 percent yeah okay so now it's november 3rd 1975 and the slasher is clearly unfazed by the interrogation that literally just took place with police Mm -hmm. because he's just you know cruising around oh what's that is that a 19 year old hitchhiker i'm gonna pick her up so he he's got a type eh they're all like 18 and 19 years old so far so he sees this hitchhiker her name is sylvia jennings and he's like "Mm mm-hmm I'm going to pick her up. Ever the opportunist. Instead of taking her to wherever she's going, he drives her to an isolated road near Mount Bridges, a tiny town southeast of Strathroy, and demands that she takes off her clothes. Sylvia is like hesitating. Obviously, she's like, what the fuck is happening? I don't want to do this. So he just overpowers her, rips her clothes off for her, but she's like fighting back, Mm -hmm. like full on fighting back as hard as she can. But she's no match for the slasher who subdues her and sexually assaults her. And like his staple move, he chokes her into unconsciousness. Okay. But this time he has like a bottle or something in his car and he smashes her over the head with it. So her skull is fractured and he just dumps her in a ditch on the side of the road. Did she live? Incredibly, she regains consciousness. This guy sucks. This guy's fuck you, he, slasher. She flags down help and is able to provide a provide the police with a description of the perpetrator. She says he's a white dude with dark shoulder length hair Mm -hmm. and mutton chops. Oh, well, 70s. It's still so upsetting. It is upsetting. But that's a second person who says this man had dark shoulder length hair. He owns a record label, I swear to God. (laughs) I worked with the doors, baby. Get in my car. Oh, I'm just saying, here's my card. Oh, here's my card. (laughs) Get in my car, not here's my card. Uh, also don't fucking hitchhike guys it's the 70s okay i know they didn't know but like don't hitchhike now i've actually seen a couple hitchhikers oh i uh, when one time when i was driving back from quebec and i i was driving back from quebec from the cottage Mm -hmm. and i just it was one of my like lone trips up to the cottage i was driving back there's people fucking hitchhiking at the petro that's crazy right like on the on routes and And don't just in your experience don't do they look like normal people? It was a young girl. And yeah. I was like, what are you doing? Horrifying. Get the fuck out of here. I I was going down to Simcoe. That's where one of my friends lives. Shout out, Kristen. Love you. Um, And I had like rounded the bend to when you're getting onto like the main road to get down there. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a, a dude, like a young guy who just looked like a normal guy. And he had a like, legit standing on the side of the road with his thumb out. And he was probably trying to get down to like Port Dover or something because all of the young people go down to Port Dover, mm-hmm. which is astounding to me because it's literally the shittiest beach in the area. This is like the next step for people who go like hashtag van life or whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> yeah. Like, like the dumber ones of that. Hashtag hitchhike life. Yeah. Or hitchhiking. <laughs> like You're so right. It's stupid, guys. Don't do it. It's so sc- Maybe people feel comfortable because nowadays everyone has their phone on them. They're tracked. You're monitored. Like, like don't. But- don't like look here's a here's a little little tidbit of information that might dissuade you 
if you got to stick your thumb out to get a ride at a pickle park, you might not want to fucking do it. You know? A pickle park! It's a pickle park. It is. Anyway. Hashtag no hitchhiking. Mutton Chops obviously learned a thing or two from the interrogation with the police. (laughs) I'm calling the Mutton Chops now. It's making me hungry, though. (laughs) What lamb? We'll be right back. We're going to go and make some chops. Chops. Insert elevator music here. (laughs) All right. He he learned a thing or two from that police interrogation because... I, I, my flow, my flow was rude. All right, all right, all right. Back into. The but that was funny. Back into the flow. Okay, but like Mutton Chops obviously learned a thing or two from his interrogation with the police that previous October. And and you know, like a normal person would be like, "Oh shit, the police are on to me." And also, it's wrong to murder and rape women. No. Stupid and shameless. Mutton Chops learned that he has to start picking random strangers as victims rather than acquaintances, and he has to be sure to leave no witnesses. That's what Mutton Chops learned. He learned that. He learned it. Stop leaving people alive and stop choosing people I know. Just now. He's a clever one. (laughs) Oh, man. We'll get into that. (laughs) On the the afternoon of June 15th, 1976, 15-year-old Susan... Susan? Susan. Susan. 15-year-old Susan Scholes is dropped off at a convenience store in Forest by her brother Jeffrey so she can pick up batteries for her portable radio. She heads okay. down County Road 12 to hitchhike into Hills to Hillsboro Beach, seven minutes away, where her parents had a cottage. Now, that whole statement I just read to you does not sit right with me. I hate it. Yeah. Forest is... Like, 40 minutes outside of Strathroy. Mm-hmm. It's like this tiny little town that's obviously the, like, go-to town if you are in Hillsborough Beach, which is like a it's a cottage country right on Lake Huron. So, like, if you're like, oh, we got to go into town to get groceries or whatever. Same with, like, if, if we were at your cottage, mm-hmm. we go into St. Sever. Right. That's, like, what this is like. Why would he drive his sister 40 minutes to Forest? And then leave her and not drive her the extra seven minutes into Hillsboro. It drives me insane. That is fucking weird. I cannot wrap my head around it. You already drove her that far. It's Stop, let her get out and get the batteries. It's like when your parents drive you to school, but you don't want to be sued with your embarrassing parents, <laughs> so you get out early. It's, it's the only <laughs> excuse I can I can think of. It's so weird, right? It's very weird. It bothers me so much. And so I, there's I've no answer? Read Oh, no, I've read this in multiple sources. I I don't know exactly what source it was. I had read a quote that it was he had to work, so he was going to drive her so that she didn't have to hitchhike. But you already are almost there. Take the extra seven minutes and drive her right in. Yeah. Or wait for her. Let her get her batteries and wait for her and drive her. It's, it is so frustrating to me. Yeah. It is. I... I doesn't doesn't sit with my, well with me. I do not want to victim shame or shame the the families of the victims in any way. But I mean, dude, it was seven minutes. Yeah, it's, that's, yeah. That's not victim shaming. That's just what the fuck, dude. But or, also, like, or, I was, or like, 
at me fine and just be like this is what happened and and i'll get it but victim shaming though you're not blaming her for anyway i was so distracted by how 70s that fucking scenario was she's going to get fucking portable she's She's... going to get batteries for a portable radio portable radio because she's gonna go and it's like one of those beach radios too you know you know the little rectangular ones with the giant of course it is she's going to fucking cottage country nope so I just, oh, it bothers me. I'm like, bro, you already drove her. You already drove her all the way there. You dropped her off in Forest, which, like I said, is about 40 minutes away from Strathroy. So you drove her 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. If she needs the batteries. How long does it take to go into a convenience store and buy batteries? 30 two, seconds. Yeah, two minutes tops. Like. That's if the clerk has to look for it. Yeah, or even then. I mean, the, the clerk spends all day just behind the counter staring at his inventory you guys have tap <laughs> like i'm like jeffrey come on should have yeah. drove your sister into town yeah be nice to your siblings it's not his fault but it's i hate it it drives me nuts i don't understand how you drive 40 minutes drop her off to get batteries and then leave that's gonna eat away at you isn't it it has to eat away at him it yeah. has to yeah the next day at 2.15 p.m., a farmhand found Susan's partially nude body in a field by a forest. This, that fucking sucks. Yep. That's why it drives me insane. Seven fucking minutes. Seven fucking minutes. Let your sister go in there and get batteries. I don't care if her going in there and getting batteries takes seven minutes. Drive her where she needs to go instead of leaving her on a county road in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Ugh, drives me insane. <clears throat> So the farmhand called the police. They investigated the scene and concluded Susan had been viciously sexually, sexually assaulted, strangled into unconsciousness with her halter top, stabbed in the throat, chest, and back, and there was a 20-centimeter laceration either on her lower stomach or, like, right above her vagina. Sources vary. So a very sexual Yes, assault regardless. Right there. Exactly. And... Like you said, a very sexual assault. This this attack was the most savage mutilation of the Mad Slasher's victims. Yeah, it's absolutely awful. I'm I'm struck by um, the variations in this guy, even though Slasher's in the title, I know. But like, so we, we had, I think, two where it's slashed across the throat with a jackknife. And then we have a bottle. And then we have strangulation till unconsciousness. But that's it. And now we have it right above the vagina. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck is going on with this dude? That it's just that's it's, spot on though. You're right. Two slashed ear to ear. Yeah. Everyone was strangled into unconsciousness. And but yeah, each one has like its own little escalation. Smashing that woman over the head with a bottle. In this case, slashing her in the either lower stomach or right above the vagina. Yeah. But that's weird. That's so strange. In in Mutton Shop's twisted mind, this girl obviously was far enough removed from him and was found far enough outside of the town that there was no way the police could connect the murder to him. Truly, that's what he believed. Oh, maybe that's why there's changes. It could be, for sure. Slight change. He's also well, an idiot if do- he thinks that's... <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's sticking to the same MO, but like adding on top of it. <laughs> and this, one, this girl was 15. Uh... She's a few years younger. But like I said... He, on a fucking after those interrogations and stuff, he was like, shit, they're kind of on to me. I am picking people very similar and that I know. 
Well, what the fuck do you expect? Is small mm-hmm. town murders? Mm-hmm. Like they're gonna start interviewing people. Exactly. Uh, assuming that it's decent police, but like this guy sounds like a fucking idiot. He is a fucking idiot. He's actually an idiot. Fuck mutton chops. OPP investigators start by speaking to locals. They speak with a local forklift driver who saw Susan as he was slowly driving down County Road 12. Who the fuck drives a forklift down any road? (laughs) I mean, God bless this man. Slowly he's getting me, though. God bless this man. He is, he literally does, he's the key witness that brings us all down. Nice. But like, what are you doing? In a forklift driving. Boulder to lift. I'm like, I need to know. Were you actually carrying something on your forklift, or were you just puttering along? Were you, were you in forest? It's looking for hitchhikers. To get... <laughs> is that so weird? It is very weird. You're driving on the side of a country road in your forklift. I, my rational side is saying farmland forklift hay barrels. I know that's actually but... a very good point, but there's a million pieces of farm equipment. Yeah, you also met farmers. <laughs> They're fucking weird sometimes. I don't think I. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't need a license for this. It's the only thing I could drive after my DUI. <laughs> Cops took my quad. All I got left is this forklift. This is my moped. Again, God bless this man because he really helped. But what are you doing? Yeah, I got questions. So he's so like I said, he's just puttering along County Road 12, and she was standing on the side of the road with her thumb out, hitchhiking. And the man said that as he was driving by, he looked back and watched as the girl got into a 1975 Ford pickup truck that he recognized as belonging to a Strathroy man who held the contract for collecting the area's roadkill. Yes, I guess roadkill was a lucrative business that you had to hold the contract for oh my god that is a truck going by that right was, now mm, yeah Maybe or a forklift co- <laughs> i don't know if anyone heard that that might get that might i not heard make it. it i heard it in my headphones so i bet people did and otherwise just, just take our word for it something just flew by but it's not fucking gross like what is this like fucking cletus out here in springfield you know you know ice road truckers <laughs> i haven't watched it but i know what you're talking i about. want one for roadkill <laughs> roadkill i really do <laughs> the lucrative business of roadkill discovery channel dm me what's up i they got a would. great business opportunity no, for don't you don't we'll reach out we'll reach out isn't that fucking nasty it's pretty gross so investigators were like, that's disgusting, but let's follow up on this lead. <laughs> and they spoke to the guy that owned the company who contracted the people to collect roadkill. And the guy was like, oh, shit, yeah. I know exactly who you're talking about. That guy is totally contracted with me. His name is Christian McGee, and he lives in Strathway. That's my boy. That's my roadkill guy. It's not a good boy to have. Christian McGee. Also, it makes so much sense, roadkill. Honestly. Yeah, this is it's like a last resort job, and this is clearly a last resort man. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just love, I love, I love carcasses. <laughs> Carkai. <laughs> I love Carkai. Nice forklift. <clears throat> Can haul a real, real big buck carcass with that, huh? So. it's funny it's funny investigators were like oh shit christian mcgee are you fucking shitting me 
that guy we interviewed. What, what the fuck, Brianna? What is it? Super bad cast? Is the Listen, I'm trying now. to be laid back. I'm trying to be laid back. Speaking of super bad, I actually just read this thing that Jonah Hill said he would do super bad too when he's 80. Oh, I saw the headline. I didn't read it. Was that the. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they yeah, said yeah, this yeah. is his condition? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was. And <laughs> I would watch the shit out of that. Super bad is one of my favorite movies. I literally yeah. know it off by And heart. if you're in a Jonah Hill kick right now, go watch Don't Look Up. He's a fucking god in that movie. It's hilarious. He's so funny. You so know, I, I actually hear a lot of people say that they hate that movie, but I super, I personally liked it. I did. I loved it. It's super polarizing, apparently, and I don't understand why. <sighs> I thought it was so funny. Jonah Hill ripping into people. He's I would my watch favorite. for days. He's my favorite in that movie. And Meryl Streep was so funny. Oh, fuck. Do you want to come? <laughs> Shuts the door. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, my favorite part about that whole movie is when uh, Jennifer Lawrence can't get over the fact that that guy charged her for snacks, but the snacks were free. Three-star general. <laughs> Every time, she's like, I don't understand. <laughs> I I would be the exact same way. I would not be able to let it go. The, like, asteroid is hurtling towards Earth. There's, like, a very important meeting she's locked out of, and it just cuts to her just sitting on the carpet floor eating snacks going, I just don't get it. <laughs> Why would he charge me? It's so funny. It's a great movie. I think that if people don't like it, it's because they don't understand that like sort of satirical comedy. Because it was an incredibly self-aware movie. Yeah, what a state we're in if we don't if we don't find if we're, a lot of people don't though. If we're so polarized that satire is people don't understand satire. They really don't think about it. Even as like you and I, as very sarcastic people, how many people do you find out were off put by you? Because they didn't understand your sense of humor. And I usually find out from other people saying exactly. like, they thought you were a complete asshole. And I was like, did like, you tell them I was so kidding? There's so many times where like Steph has come up to me and been like, yeah, you know, like this person thought you were an asshole. But then they realized like that's just your sense of humor and it's actually funny. And I'm like, yeah. well, if they thought I was an asshole for 10 years. Great. Yeah, I'm unapologetic for people I know. Who don't Ultimately, I don't care. I'm like, if you're so fucking dumb that you did not get I was joking, that is your problem. Yeah, if you're on my level, we're going to be best friends. If you're not, <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> Fuck I mean, yeah, I got other I'll people wait. to hang out with. Yeah. So, <laughs> back to the carcasses. like I said, it was Christian McGee was a name that investigators knew. They were like, holy shit, we fucking interviewed this guy in October. Mm -hmm. We had hauled him in for questioning in relation to the murders of Judith and Louise, but we had let him go because there was no evidence and he didn't confess to anything. Now we're hearing his name again. Mm -mm. Something's mm -mm. up. Hey, way to go police so far. Thumbs up. And I think it's because we're outside of London. They actually care. And we're in Strathroy in OPP territory. Mm. And OPP territory in this case, I mean, down the road, I will absolutely tell you about the legend that is Dennis Alsop. He is an OPP investigator detective. He is the reason we know most of this information. I will cover how important he was. Oh, did OPP have a superstar investigator? He's a superstar. I'm in love with this man. Oh. It's OPP, though. They're... And it's him, specifically yeah. him, not even OPP. It's him. He is the reason that so many of these cases are handled well, have all of this information. London police, Mother Guelph police, whoever else. Mm -mm -mm. Motherfucking MacGruber of Strathroy. Fucking MacGruber. MacGruber. Straight up superstar, five star general. Sorry, I'm imagining I'm combining the new MacGruber trailer with this guy in the <laughs> 70s. That's beautiful. That's and IRSVP'd hashtag Yasqueen. Hashtag. I bet that you're sitting there right now being like, who's Christian McGee, though? Yeah, who is that fucker? Well, Christian Herbert Harold McGee. 
You know, I was gonna make fun of two middle names, and then I remembered I have two middle names. I have two middle names too. Die Wells, <laughs> Ivan, <laughs> Edwards, Edwards, <laughs> Edward. No, Edwards. That just makes two first names, two last names. If it was Edwards, I have. I have two. My first name and my last name are both last names. My two middle names are two first names. Edward is the last name too, though. Yeah, it's in the middle, yeah. What's my full name? Brianna, don't call me Cantaloupe Cantlon. It's not funny. We're going to cut that. It's kind of... Do you know my full name? I don't know if you... Have you told me your middle names? You have once. <laughs> Remember where we were when you said it. I Literally, just... my IG handle is BrianneMC. Mary. <laughs> no. Margaret. Michelle Marie. We're breaking oh. up. <laughs> Shit. Michelle, Michelle, Michelle. Don't forget it, motherfucker. So Christian. I don't even have a good memory. How dare you put this pressure on me? We're keeping all of this in, by the way. Christian Herbert Harold McGee was born in London, Ontario in 1948. Again, classic. No birthday. We just know he was born in 1948. Yeah, that's really weird. Is there something going on with uh, records back then? No, okay, so remember when we did our first London case, which was the Bedroom Strangler, mm -hmm. and I said, shit, I got a theory about this. No, it, it doesn't check out. My theory was that, he, like, like uh, Russell Johnson, Bedroom Strangler, mm -hmm. he was put into pen the uh, mental health facility in Penetanguishene. So I was like, oh, shit, maybe because he's held in a maximum security mental health facility that they won't publish his birthday. Right, right. But then we did the London Chambermaid's Lair, and Gerald Archer's birthday isn't published either, but he wasn't held in a mental health facility, and he was just released eventually. So, like, literally, it's just our reporting is dog shit. It also reminds me of, um, oh, God, what was it? I forget what the news story was, but they literally talked to this ministry that had a bunch of records on people and stuff mm -hmm. in the 70s, so which lines time. up. Yeah. And there was apparently like a paper purge. Their their archives were so stacked mm -hmm. that they just had a uh, like nuclear option of just well, get rid of it. That's honestly the way it is across the board. Even think about how where we work, students trying to access, well, where you worked and I do work, yeah. students trying to access transcripts. Mm -hmm. it's like sorry you're shit out of luck if it was before 2007 because the same the same thing oh yeah it either wasn't stored properly or if the ministry got these records they were like <laughs> come on doing shit with this burn them yeah yeah honestly because it's just easier to yeah, just purge them and say like, shit no... sorry i don't have them yeah they were like i don't i don't know we don't have a rule to keep them so they're gone well hello i'm dom and i'm the host of horror house true crime and the macabre horror house true crime and the macabre is a delectable delight of true crime and the macabre sprinkled with just the right amount of that dry british humor horror house can be found anywhere that you listen to podcasts and is on instagram at twitter at horrorhouse underscore pod and on facebook at horrorhouse pod Episodes are released weekly on a Friday, 
or as weekly as studying full-time and working part-time allows. So why don't you make a brew and come join me as I weave tales of horror and discomfort. Until next time, stay spooky. So, uh, Christian Herbert Harold McGee was born in London in 1948, like I said. It's so made up. It's probably made up. They don't even have a birthday like they know his middle names. It's like Bodie McBoatface. They're like, what two fucking wanker names can we give him? Herbert Harold. McGee. 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 And his own. McGee, my guy. McGee, my guy. McGee, my guy from London, Ontario. Rent. (laughs) Rent. In his own words, he was born into an abusive, loveless home. His life was apparently full of like emotional, physical abuse at the hands of everyone in his household. Household. <laughs> everyone in his household. Yeah. His parents like chastised him constantly. They would tell him that he's nothing. He'd amount to nothing. He's a piece of shit. Uh, he had no self-esteem, obviously. If you're always being told that you will amount to nothing, mm-hmm. and when he was young, he his mom would make him put this like broom behind his back uh to like force his head up because he had such low self-esteem he would always like look at the ground she was trying to fix his, fix his posture. so he was like she was like trying to fix his posture and like keep his head up sure. but i literally was like that's fucked up let me see and i did it and like i can still look at the ground she just obviously was like power tripping yeah it's a fucking weird like power trip okay so his brother also would like frequently beat the shit out of him. Yeah. And then he his dad um made him drop out of school when he was 16 because he was like, "You know what, son? You're already a piece of shit. You're already really dumb. You're illiterate. You literally can't read or write. So you should probably just get out there." Can you read or write though? He was illiterate. Okay, I mean, not So to that's be an what asshole, I was going to but... say with coming back to you about how he's dumb as shit. This fucker was illiterate. So how do you get to that? No, I'm not gonna be like, how do you get to that age and can't read? But like, I'm sure everyone around him could. I mean, we're not in fucking 1840. Yep. We're in we're in the 1970s. Yeah, I don't I don't want to shit on illiterates though. But at the same time, like, I know that like education system. It's not like you couldn't get to school. So what the fuck? He just I think was a just dummy. Sorry, Christian yeah, he's McGee. Just fucking around. He's but just, also, he got his ass kicked and had no self-esteem. So, I, you know. Whatever. Fight back. Sounds like someone made this monster. I mean, kind of. But at the end of the day, like, I'm not about to let my family shit all over me and beat the shit out of me. Like, I'm not going to say you let that happen. Of course, you don't let that happen. Yeah. Especially if it's always happened to you. Mm-hmm. You're kind of conditioned to and it. Plus, you know, at the time, you could have just joined the police force. <laughs> Exactly. So, like, why? do you know why I pulled you over? Because you got all C's in high school. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh shit! I'm gonna get a fucking ticket. Like, okay, this actually reminds me of going back to when um we were doing, I forget what episode it was, Spooky Solstice maybe, and you were like, "Why do I always choose demographics of people to come at me with knives?" <laughs> it was old women. And then it was religious people. Yep. <laughs> and then now it's yep. police officers. They, t- 
tasers or or probably in the most likely case guns they mistake for tasers yeah well that's american listen we're canadian we're safe up here <clears throat> we're safe up here we're in brantford right <laughs> cut that, cut that, cut that. <laughs> help yeah. we're in dangerous territory uh-huh <laughs> So yeah, the everyone in this in this fucker's life was a piece of shit. And he eventually developed a drinking problem around the time that his dad forced him to go out there and start working. Mm-hmm. When do you think this motherfucker's criminal history started? So offenses that were documented. Cuz oh, I mean documented? Yeah, I mean oh. this this guy's probably been doing shit his whole life. When do you think the f- yeah. first offense was documented? I was going to say definitely a juvie kind of. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say eight years old. Twelve. Twelve. I went under. Twelve. I was I was influenced by a movie that I don't remember the name of where the Why premise was. The premise was um, a bunch of kids know that they can only get a criminal record when they turn 12. So they just start burning houses down and shit until they turn 12 and then they stop. What? Except for the one that was turning 12. Um, and who was leading the entire pack of his friend hooligans um, came from an abusive household. Oh, so when shit. he turned 12, he offed himself. <gasps> oh it my... was a dark movie. What the fuck movie were you watching? It was good, though. It left an impact on me. Clearly, <laughs> you're going to have to do some research. And the next time you're back on the show, you're going to have to tell us what that movie was. Uh, green something? I'm not going to listen to you because you're always wrong. So don't say that. And just figure out what the true Steel title Magnolia. is. <laughs> No. Oh. Figure out the real title and, and get back at us, all right? Yeah, I'll find it. Holla at you go when you actually know the title. Yeah. Yeah, he was 12. He was 12 when he first committed his, uh, when he committed his first offense. And, uh, you know, like when I was 12, I was like, that's definitely a little piece of shit. I was like shoplifting, vandalizing, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. No, he raped his 10-year-old sister. That's not acting out. I will say this. I read that it was his sister in one source, but every other source says that it, it he raped a 10-year-old girl. Yeah, but Canadian Canadian reporting wouldn't any identify. Reporting, any reporting wouldn't would. identify. Except so for the bad ones. It so would that's that true. So would. one source said it was his sister, while all the others just said a 10-year-old girl. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, who cares? He's 12 and he raped a 10-year-old girl. Obviously, it's horrible if it was his own sister. Mm-hmm. That's an, an extra layer of fuckery. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this motherfucker had his first offense at 12 because of that. Makes sense. He's a sexual deviant, but he's also <laughs> like, a, like a, mm-hmm. a violent sexual deviant. Completely violent. Completely. Uh, he obviously has like this problem where he feels like he constantly lacks control and love and everything. So he has to completely overpower somebody. Yeah, but fuck him. He doesn't get to justify it. A hundred percent fuck him. Yeah. So as an adult, he lived in Cairngorm, southwest of Strathroy. And he was married. He had a wife and he had three kids. Shout out to the KG gang. <laughs> I couldn't even point that place out in a map. Okay, actually, that's actually a very, thank you very much. I've mentioned so many places. I have mentioned Strathroy. I have mentioned Mount Bridges. Mm-hmm. I have mentioned Cairngorm. So let's imagine London. It's this big bubble. Mm-hmm. Let's take ourselves southwest of London. For our American listeners, imagine Detroit. And Thank then, you. And then just go 
east a little bit and it's in that limbo phase phase of fuckery thank you i can't name a single fucking state by the way <sighs> man i'm actually incredible Brianna just can't name maine i <laughs> i was like dyson tell me like quiz me on all 50 states and i'll give them to you yeah your girl gave 49 and couldn't remember maine and it still bothers me to this day yeah. and you were giving hints about it that were excellent, and I was like, Stephen Durr. King loved this place. Stephen King, I think you said something about lobsters, and I was like, oh, no. 49. I don't even live in America. She was really upset about it. She's still upset about it. Because I'm amazing at geography. I have an I have, I'm amazing at geography. I have an incredible sense of direction. I can literally picture maps in my head, and I didn't fucking remember Maine. Yeah, you need and it's photographic not even memory. Holy shit. I do. I actually have a photographic memory. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. What color tie am I wearing right now? Oh, oh, the 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 answer is um none. Unless that's just your big hairy nipples. <laughs> <laughs> People aren't gonna understand that movie reference. They're just gonna think I have big hairy nipples. He does have big hairy nipples. You know what? Don't cut that, Bria. <laughs> I won't. He's proud of him. So, never mind okay. so like i was saying i mentioned karen gorm that's where this motherfucker mutton chops herbert harold grew up no so strathroy like i said right outside of london mm -hmm. so strathroy mount bridges and karen gorm f form this like triangle so he lived in karen gorm and the majority of his crimes were committed in strathroy mm -hmm. and that one happened in mount bridges so he was operating out of Karen Gorm, but he was going into Strathroy and Mount Bridges to commit his crimes. Yeah, okay. So, so he was still stationary. He was just and reaching. And honestly, all of these places are like minutes away from each other. It forms this like little baby triangle. Like if we're here in Brantford, go, yeah. it would be like us going to like St. George and Paris. Like they're right there. So he didn't even drive more no. than like an hour and a half to go to these no, places. No, 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 no. But he was still like, well, they're max. They'll never put this exactly. together. Max ten minutes away from each other. This guy's. Well, he's illiterate. He's so... a, he's he's just a dumbass opportunist. Doesn't give a fuck. Thinks he's smarter than everyone and can do what he wants. You know what? <clears throat> I'm gonna talk to the killer when he was twelve. Your parents are right. You little fuck. You little fuck don't amount to nothing. Guess where you are right now, bitch. I'll beat you up. I'll beat you up. That's what his priest said. He... I'll kick your ass. <laughs> nah, that was that was uh Russell Johnson. He's oh, yeah. he's the one that had to go to church every single day and confession every week. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean he should. <laughs> Still. No, remember all he learned was that uh you can get away with whatever you want. You just have to beg for forgiveness later. Oh <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this yeah. fucking dumbass Herbert Harold mutton chops. He he was married. He had a wife and he had three children. And his marriage was shit. I mean, well, not I'm not even going to put this on the wife. Look at this monster. She mm. was probably like unfortunately we already have three children together so I'll stay with you because we're in the 70s, but god damn it stay away from me. So his yep. excuse was like he just needed affection. So oh, he 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 wasn't getting it from his wife, so he had to go out there and get it from other people. Oh, this poor girl thought she could fix him. I don't even know. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so that's all we know about Christian Herbert Harold. Mm -hmm. Um. So fall. So after fall, like the investigators had followed up on that lead from the forklift 
dude about confirming that mutton chops had worked for that company for the roadkill. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Fucking roadkill. So they they had followed up with the leads. They were like, let's just check it out. Let's see if this guy is the only dude who gets the roadkill around here. Yep. <laughs> oh shit. He is. And then the guy that he spoke to that gave him that contract was like yeah, like that's Christian McGee and and he's the only guy that would have been out there for the roadkill and here's the description of the truck that he was driving. Mm-hmm. 1975 truck. The mm. exact one that the forklift driver had seen. And so the police were like, okay, let's just go and talk to him. Let's just go and talk to Christian McGee. What year is it right now? 76. He has a brand new car. One second, one second, one second. Yeah, it's 76. It's we're old. June 15th, 76 right now. This fucker has a brand new car. A car that's a year old. For his fucking roadkill gig. I think that's why the forklift driver remembered it so much. Because he probably Good looked at, looked back and was like, oh, motherfucker, that is a gorgeous beast right there. That yeah, is a brand Meanwhile, the new. trucker's driving a forklift from the Depression era. Did I say trucker? Or, no, I said trucker. Okay, like, like the I'm forklift farmer, driver. Farmer. The forklift driver is like, holy motherfucking yeah. shit. I'm puttering down County Road 12 in a forklift, and this motherfucker is in a brand new Ford pickup truck. God damn. Sorry, reflex. I think all the documentaries I'm <laughs> trying to watch for true crime have me saying trucker it's fine it's fine but Shot yeah back of that you're forklift. right that's a great observation it's brand new yeah so i think that actually is totally why the forklift driver noticed it yeah and that's like, Woof. that's super strange too because like i know um if you talk to people who were like around in the 70s and stuff and they always if they ever if you ever ask them about movie portrayals of the 70s I think this is a Bill Burr sketch too. Oh God, where bless he, him! Are you so excited to see him live? I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait. But he, Bill Burr, even has a thing in his stand-up where he's talking about. He's like, "You watch the movies about the 1970s, and everyone's driving the fucking 1970s cars. That's not how it fucking worked. They were driving like 1950s, 40s. 1960s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this this dude's driving around picking up roadkill with a brand new fucking car. Literally brand new. Probably Definitely. probably less than a year old. Yellow, noticeable, new car. <laughs> I don't know. No, 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 no. The truck he was driving was not yellow. Oh, I don't okay. know what All color right, okay. it was. The car that was, the neighbor saw going into Louise Jenner's was like a okay. sedan. And yep. that one was, was yellow or cream colored. Okay, okay. The so, truck, I don't know what color it was. Yep. Maybe it was yellow, but it was probably red if he's collecting roadkill. Am I right? I, I hope so doesn't show blood so the 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 cops were like all right let's just go investigate this lead so he they the cops go and they are like let's go talk to christian mcgee and you know one chop says that yo i did pick up susan but i dropped her off safely Mm -hmm. i got her there safely Mm -hmm. and investigators were like yeah sure that's nice let us inside of that truck so Mm -hmm. they investigate the truck and they realize that the filleting knife was missing. And each murder victim so far has had their throat slashed. So they're like, hmm, that's odd. Let's haul him in. We're going to haul him in and question him. Yeah, yeah, you haul that guy in. And they... And also, why are you filleting roadkill? I mean, all of the roadkill part, I can't get over. Yeah, I don't... I literally can't get over it. I know exactly what Christian McGee looks like because I've been involved in this case now. But I picture Cletus from The Simpsons. You were picturing... uh, Okay, that's funny you mentioned The Simpsons and yours makes more sense with Cletus. But I was picturing groundskeeper Willie with the mutton chops. (sighs) It's 
Well, Cletus is pretty much a high. Like, if we took Christian McGee, he's a hybrid of Cletus and Groundskeeper Willie. Oh, that's perfect. That's so funny. We were both thinking Simpsons this I, whole time. Exactly. And so they had enough and they arrested him on June 16th, 1976. So the day after Susan was murdered. I'm glad the cops had enough. He was. Had enough. Mm-hmm. They had enough and they had enough. Huh? I've so, taken it until I can't take no more. You're coming in. So he was originally charged with Please. murdering and assaulting <laughs> Susan. Please. Thank you. Please. So he was originally charged with murdering and assaulting Susan, but Detective Sergeant Murray Peer of the OPP said the additional charges were a result of interrogating and investigating everyone that they could that was involved in all of these cases so far that sort of lined up and had a matching MO and evidence and everything it like that. It sounds like they did a really good job at that, too. For this one, they did, I believe, the best job. And mm-hmm. so... After all of that investigating and pulling in all of these very similar cases, charges, whatever else, in total, Mutton Chops was charged with three counts of first-degree murder, one count of attempted murder, and two counts of rape and strangulation. Because they could connect him to all of those other yeah. um, assaults and murders. Right. Because right. across the board, they had so many similarities. Yeah. So the trial for Mutton Chops took place in Sarnia, in October 1977, Dyson, love I know you're terrible with geography. Sarnia is not that. It's it's near the Czech Republic. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh. No, no. Kobe's handing me a piece of paper. Yeah, it's not Soviet. That's that's Serbia. Um, <laughs> Sarnia. Serbia. <laughs> Do you know where Sarnia is, though? It's north. No, it's of something. Sarnia is it's north of like Detroit. It is completely west of London Strathroy area. It is literally like on the border of Michigan and Ontario. So it couldn't be more wrong. Couldn't be more wrong. The opposite direction. Literally, I like look at a map. It is straight up west. Brianna has actually saved me from being lost in a park before, like a like a. We were, like in the, the forest. we were in the depths. We went down into a canyon, essentially. And this motherfucker was going to keep going straight into God knows where. And I was like, um, no, we have to get out of here. We absolutely have to go north to get up. Let's go. And you were going to keep going east. I think I said something to the effect of, now is not a time to take <laughs> shortcuts. I want to take the right way. <laughs> and I was like, great, follow me. Yeah, we came from here, idiot. I... <laughs> I am absolutely like the person who smashes the uh, stereotype of women having bad direction. Yeah, I'll be the one that says, just ask them for direction. <laughs> like, we don't need to. I don't know why I would do that. I know. I have an internal compass that is wicked. It is out of this world. Yeah. I'm lucky I find the fridge every day. So, you know. For that 2 a.m. cheese. Yeah. My 2 a.m. cheese runs are like the best part of my day. So, glad <laughs> I can do that. Okay, so now that you know where Sarnia is, his trial took place in October 1977, and he was found not guilty by reason of insanity. And he was sent to the Maximum Security Penitentiary Mental Health Center, where he'd soon be joined by old Krusty Rusty. No! What the f- It's a good thing! This is a good thing! 
I I want him to go to prison. No, you don't. We yeah. already have this conversation. You do not want him to go to prison. You want him to be in a maximum security mental health center. Yeah, but I don't want to get shanked in prison. <laughs> I want him to die in prison. You won't die in prison in Canada. Are you I goddamn know, kidding me? We need to go do a tour of that fucking place one day. What place? Panatanguishine. I don't think you can. It's still incredibly active, and I'd rather not go there with a bunch of sadist murderers. Uh, I would do very well in prison. I don't think you would. Um, okay, otter. well then why do they keep telling me I'm pretty? <laughs> why do they keep telling me I'm an otter? <laughs> <laughs> it's because I'm cute, right? Because <laughs> I'm cute, right? No, but honestly, it's a very good thing that he's here. It's a very good thing that he's in a mental health center. Yeah, I don't know. If he just, wasn't, he you know the you know I the just drill. don't. I just yeah, I do. Uh, you're if right. He wasn't, you're 100 He would right. be out by now. The thing that just drives me nuts is like the like oh, just plead insanity. No, they he didn't plead it at all. He didn't plead anything. The, the jury heard the case and was like, holy fuck, this guy's out of his goddamn mind. Okay, I mean they're probably right. I just I just wish our penal system was different. I wish it was different too, but in this case, I'm incredibly happy. He's literally to this day still behind bars. Whereas if he went to prison, a hundred percent, he he have been he would have been free like twenty thirty years ago. So he's locked up. He's in Penetanguishene Mental Health Facility with Krusty Rusty. Mm-hmm. And at this point, psychiatrists just start their normal like interviewing of him, just to see like what his state of mind is, whatever. So these just these are endless. They last essentially the entire time that he's in there and so when they ask him about his victims uh when he talks about judith barksy the first woman that Mm -hmm. he raped and murdered he he said that he had spotted her by chance and in the few blocks that he was following her he made up his mind that he was going to rape her he said quote i talked myself into it i was fantasizing more and more as i walked behind her Building up the courage, the desire, the want. Ew. It's disgusting. That's so gross. It's disgusting. I hate when they talk about it like that. Because like, you yes, can tell it's... it's still so fantastical in their mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's so gross. And he's like, oh, well, like I didn't see her face until I grabbed her. And then I realized that I'd have to kill her because uh, she knew who I was. And she could identify me to the police. So I this... had to kill her. Oh, and he's such a fucking idiot too that that's his justification when meanwhile everyone in the room is like so you could have put a mask on anything and you just fucking didn't think that you fucking mouth breather you mouth breather you fucking you mouth, absolute mouth breather fucking mouth breather also it's so hard to believe that he didn't know who she was like as if uh, so like when she started to struggle against him, he said that he took out his jackknife and slashed her throat, which earned him that media nickname of the mad slasher, which like he goes on and on about, about how he like hates it. And I'm like, you don't get to decide that you hate it. Also, yeah. You don't get to decide that. And also you fucking set yourself up for that. Uh, Mr. I talked myself into it in the moment, but also conveniently had a jackknife on me. Mm-hmm. And this part is... It just drives me even more insane. So, like, after he had fucking murdered, assaulted, robbed, raped Judith, he went home and he tells these people who are interviewing him that he washed that jackknife right in front of his wife. So, he knew exactly what he was doing. He went home and his wife, who's totally 
unsuspecting of all of this it's like it's like a gross weird like little secret that he has of himself that he can wash that jackknife which is what he took this woman's life with Mm -hmm. right in front of his wife who will be like that's odd i don't know like what's going on or if she even suspected anything but in his own sick mind he's like "Mm mm-hmm I had to go out there and get the affection I wanted from someone else. Yeah, affection. Because you won't give it to me. Jesus Christ. It's so fucking gross. He's just fucking gross. Yeah. So then he was talking about Louise Jenner. That's the woman that uh, he went, he was like invited into the house. Mm Mm-hmm. He said that she was an acquaintance of his. And since he was just in the area of her home, he wanted to drop in and say hi. And when she actually answered the door, when he knocked on the door and invited him, invited him inside, he was like, oh, shit. Like She actually answered. What a great opportunity. So he just attacked her. And again, since she could identify him, he felt like he had to murder her. This guy's a fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not just, like, spur the mo. Like, he's an opportunist for sure, but, mm-hmm. like... But like whenever these... he's like, oh, I had to kill her because she knew who I was like, then like you were going there to kill her, basically. Exactly. Yeah. And that goes back to what I was talking about before when he had attempted to probably rape and he did rape, but probably murder that last victim who ended up surviving. Mm-hmm. And it was literally days after he had been interrogated by by the police mm-hmm. and like she miraculously survived but then he went out after and murdered susan mm-hmm. and he, the quote-unquote things he learned was that he has to start picking strangers that aren't acquainted and make sure he leaves no witnesses that's what he learned from the whole thing because judith and louise were people he knew who he targeted he can say i didn't even know it was was judith i just like saw this woman leaving the pizzeria and i had to get her like you fucking knew you fucking knew you even said in your own mind that you had to start picking people that you didn't know and both of these things confirm it yeah so absolutely i don't believe he was just coincidentally in the area of her home no he is a sicko and he went and was like i know that she's a homemaker i know that she's a new mother i bet if i knock on that door she'll be like oh shit it's just christian why don't i just let him in we can catch up yeah this is like the lowest level of like um sympathy that he could he thinks he could manage to pull out of anyone listening to this is is just like oh you know like and then i realized oh i have to kill her like no that's no, no, no. You exactly. fucking, you knew and you came to this place and you did it. Don't try and get out of the first degree murder, you little fuck. That's actually a great point because he had also told the psychiatrists that he was confused by sex and love. He believed that if he forced sex on someone, it could give him the affection he wanted. So that's a great point about the sympathizing. He's like, I didn't know. When it's like, you you literally can never, ever, ever, ever force force somebody to love you no but if you are a sicko sadistic pervert you can absolutely force someone to have sex with you because you rape them so don't come out here and say that you were confused by sex and love they're completely different things and you cannot get love from someone but if you are aggressive and disgusting enough you can get sex from someone it's it's something like so like expected out of someone trying to justify this scenario Mm -hmm. in the 70s exactly like imagine if this happened now like people would be like <laughs> no yeah they'd be like, like you're you kn- fucked you knew you knew a hundred percent yeah you can, you can sit there in your little comfy chair and say yeah. oh my god well i was just confused i didn't know 
Yeah, I wonder how much of this whole like, um, I I mean I don't I have no position to say it, but like I wonder how much like people back then were just like, well, like you know he he was he was sick in the head and stuff, so that's the justification. It's fine. Like I I feel like if this was brought to a court now, they'd be like, no fucking way. Sorry, this mm-hmm. is not how it works. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> this is not how it works though. I think that I think he got I think he got a little bit of help from the fact that we just didn't know enough back then. And well, he just, he just got a, he got this kind of shit. I mean, like may, maybe he really was insane. Oh, may, for sure. If yeah. This, if this is how you really feel. Yeah. And but I I also land in the camp that thinks that if you're gonna kill someone, you are fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Like period. Just the idea of doing that is fucking insane. Exactly. But like I I think like. It, it's just nuts that like he he got away with this like like that he managed to spin that web of i'm insane and they were like yeah he is by all accounts and i'm just sitting there going like i don't know man like it seems like he's bullshitting and he's an idiot though i i think that he absolutely bullshits a lot of stuff i do think he's an idiot but it, i also do believe he's insane because after hearing all of this shit that he had to say the psychiatrists were like okay we're gonna diagnose you as a psychosexual with a psychosexual disorder mm-hmm. with classic sexual sadism including fantasies of torture necrophilia cannibalism and dismemberment and antisocial personality cannibalism. disorder and that and cannibalism just goes back to like everything that he would have been telling these people so in 2004 a psychiatric reassessment of mutton chops confirmed that he still harbored these deep-seated uh, ooh erotophonophilic erotophonophilic and necrophilic fantasies with cannibalistic impulses that's 2004 motherfucker went to this place in in 77 so he still got this he still got this and so in may 2005 mutton chops wanted to be transferred from a maximum security to a medium security and his lawyer took the following arguments to the ontario review board Uh uh-huh okay so, Mutton Chops is, is still in Penetanguishing, and he's yep. like, I'm sick of being here. I want to go to a medium security place. Oh, I'm sorry. It's so uncomfortable um, after killing all those people. Yeah, I'm like, here. So, his lawyer was like, okay, I got you, bro. Listen, <laughs> he wants to be transferred to a medium security facility in London uh-huh. with access to outpatient programs. Oh. Yeah, outpatient programs, which the whole point of them is to stress reintegration into society. Yep. So he wants to go to outpatient programs so he can work on a like controlled exit. You know, he wants to he wants to start with weekend passes. He wants to visit his family and he wants to just show society that he can be trusted. He wants to meet people and make friends and and meet women. Yeah, and has he shown real progress from the state he was in when he was killing all these people? Well, their lawyer is trying to say he has. Mm-mm. He, like, my client, he's also claimed that he's sorry for what he did. And you know what? He's even offered to make amends and meet with the relatives of the victims so that he, so that they can vent their anger to him. He's an open guy. He, uh-huh. he's also so good. He's, he's learned a trade. He's into woodworking. And it's given him confidence. Yeah, he can use power tools now. And and also, do you want to give a sexual sadist confidence? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they already had it. I don't think that you need to hammer home the fact that he's now confident. 
Yeah, I don't want Mike Holmes free if he's got a tendency to try and, I don't know, nibble on my ear, maybe slash my throat later. I don't know. Fuck this guy. He can't come out. No. And and then the lawyer was like, listen, he's raised more than $25,000 for charity by donating his woodwork at auctions. Yeah, because he's not fucking out in society. He's not paying rent. How frustrating is that, though, that he's he's managed to make $25,000 for the woodworking he does and he gives it to charity? How about you give it to the families of the women you murdered, of the two victims that are surviving? Yeah. How about you give that $25,000 as of 2005 mm-hmm. to, the, to the people who probably deserve it most? Mm-hmm. That part infuriated me when I first read this it. This guy's not sorry. Of course he's this, not sorry. This guy has a sob story in his own mind just that he's building, you but he's not wait. sorry. You'll hear even more that also, makes you just go fuck this guy. Also, another guy asking for leniency out of pedotanguishy. Isn't it great? Yeah, he just wants to be moved to another. With the outpatient so program. The God outpatient. fucking damn in it. In London. In London. In neighboring very... the places where you took the lives of these people that you're in jail yeah, for. Put me back to my little freak show mini triangle where I just killed a bunch of people. <laughs> Like, put me right into the community I traumatized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then and then his lawyer had to say, listen, Mutton Chops, he even sponsors a student in Ethiopia who's studying to become a nurse. He's a good guy. And he's found God. God has, has used him to help people. Anyone who has a bad past like that, and then they come back going like, but he's God. found God. They That's not good. Have. Now he's got the. Now he's. You've got this ego sadist fuck who wants mm-hmm. to eat people, <laughs> but now he's got this neighboring god complex. Exactly. No, fuck, fuck that. So those were all of the points that the lawyer was putting out there. Like, this is why my man Mutton Chops has got to be. He's got to be transferred. He wants uh-huh. to go to that to that medium security place in London, and he deserves it. So the the argument against why he should be released, which is a good one, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's horrifying. So he was wanting to be transferred to London so that he could be let closer to his family and make relationships or whatever. But the people arguing against it were like, this is ridiculous because his family has testified over and over again that they are terrified of him and they do Mm -hmm. not want to see him. So to say that he needs to be transferred to London to be closer to his family is absurd. Mm -hmm. Plus, he'll be like right back at the scene of the crimes. So what? He's going to be able to be released there for day or weekend passes where he's free to visit the scenes of his crimes? No. And also, isn't Pen... Isn't Penetanguishing fucking like two hours away from London to begin with? If that. So then just have the family who are not the victim families, just a little pin on that one, can fucking drive up to see this fucking monster. They don't want to see him. They're terrified of him. Yeah, they don't. Okay, they don't even want to They don't want to see him. They don't want anything to do with him. Yeah. They're like, then, listen, don't throw our names into this to say that you want to be transferred to London so that you're closer to your family yeah. because we don't even want to see you. Yeah, they don't even want to fuck see you. Well, I, I don't understand what the fuck this guy's going at. So then there was also a report that a clinical team of specialists put together. And they described Mutton Chops as a sexual sadist with an antisocial personality disorder who has a 76% chance of reoffending. Holy shit. A 76 chance of reoffending if 76% chance of reoffending if he were to be released. And these specialists did a bunch of tests on him. Mm-hmm. So during this litany of tests, they concluded that rape scenes arouse him more than pictures of consensual sex. 
and he has highly sadistic rape fantasies that have come to include cannibalism, erotic attractions to his sister and adult daughter. I don't even want to say anything. He so is fucked up. foul. And these arguments were put against against him in uh-huh. this same hearing where his lawyer is saying, listen, he's found God. He's a beautiful man. He does all this philanthropic. Philanthropic. Philanthropic work. Yeah. He's amazing. And then they're like, uh-uh. No, he has a 76% chance of reoffending, And also he has fantasies about raping and eating his sister and his adult daughter. Okay. So I'm, I'm just going to throw this out now. Are you going to tell me what I want to hear on this? Um, we'll see. Okay. All we'll right. see. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Guess cool. what? Cool. Guess what? what? Guess what? Guess what? what? The cherry on top of all of this was that the family of the victims were pissed off because they had they didn't even know that this hearing was happening. They didn't even know that the Ontario Review Board was was actually letting the lawyer argue in favor of mutton chops. In favor of leniency. Mm-hmm. And the and that the fact that this case included the possible transfer to essentially be closer to them, mm-hmm. that that the, the lawyer was arguing for him to go to London, which would be their neighboring town. So the Ontario Review Board did not grant Mutton Chops' request to be yes. transferred to London. They granted him permission to transfer to the Medium Security Center for Addiction no. and Health in Toronto instead. No! That's a bigger population. Mm-hmm. And also you're neighbors are so much closer mm-hmm. oh but guess what oh i hate that what when the administration at oak ridge so where he's held in penetanguishine uh-huh. when they heard that the ontario review board had granted him his request to transfer mm-hmm. they immediately appealed the decision with the attorney general yep. who agreed that his level of dangerousness has not subsided and thankfully they canceled that permission to transfer. Oh my God, the system worked. Mm-hmm. They were like, Beautiful. fuck no, this guy is insane. He's out of his mind. He's disgusting. I don't know what sort of drugs the Ontario Review Board is on. We are canceling this stat. He is not transferring. Take their rubber stamp away. That's what the idiot. only good thing. What idiot sat in that room and was like, Honestly, fine. it's disgusting. That's, it is disgusting. That is actually gross. But thank God the... That's what's horrifying about it though is that the place that is housing him didn't even know that this hearing was happening. Mm-hmm. So when they caught wind that he was getting ready to transfer, they were like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, um, why doesn't that process at all involve that? Because Canada is so insane. The criminals have all of the rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is disgusting. Seems- and he probably had a really good lawyer too. Well, yeah. So he probably had this very good lawyer who was like, I know all of the loopholes. I know all of the reasons that you as a criminal has the rights. I'll get you out of here, man. They don't call him tricky dick for nothing. (laughs) So in 2006, and most likely because he was totally bitter that he wasn't allowed to leave the maximum security place. Uh Uh-huh. Mutton Chop said this. Quote. The reality is I'll always have the problem. But now I can recognize the symptoms and take preventative measures. Stop myself before it happens again. If I were in the same situation now, I would just walk away if I got those thoughts. Now I would be able to recognize the warning signs and stop myself before anything happened. Back then, I couldn't do that. I was sent here because I have an illness. I didn't understand that then, but I do now. I would have been out years ago had I been found guilty at a criminal trial and given the mandatory life sentence. We're a compassionate country. 
that's the way our system is set up. I can never repay my debt to society. But in Canada, you're supposed to be given a second chance. We ain't criminals. That's supposed to be the difference between this place and the correctional system. I want to frame that fucking whatever diatribe you just gave and just post it up on my fucking wall and be like, this is exactly a testament as to what's wrong with us right now. Exactly. You know how like literally a few minutes ago you you said this motherfucker ain't sorry. No, he's not fucking Listen sorry. Listen to that. He's just mad that he didn't, that his, his, his request to transfer was granted and then revoked. And that, that's exactly why I was going like, I want to see him in prison, but then you're like, no, you don't. And you're right. No, I fucking don't because of the way our system works. Mm-hmm. I want to see that fucker in prison in a system where if you're in prison, you are there, period. Mm-hmm. How many people can you kill? And we're supposed to lock them away, but like we don't you know like oh you know they they can be uh reassessed they can be rehabilitated rehabilitated like that person like yes he alluded to his quote-unquote sickness as a way of undermining it Mm -hmm. but like he's absolutely fucking sick exactly even in that quote he's not fixing it so that quote was from 2006 in 2004 only two years before, he had all these psychi- psychiatric reassessments where they were like, no, this guy's sick. He has these disgusting fantasies about his own daughter and sister. He's yep. sick. Yep. He, he cannot be let out. Yeah. The the funniest thing, too, is like, this guy's an idiot. And yeah. he's obviously an idiot because he, that entire statement was, I now have tools to make sure I don't reoffend." And I think the only thing anyone arguing against him getting any kind of leniency is to just simply walk up to that fucking review board who is apparently just as stupid as he is oh. and go 66% 76. chance, 76% 76% chance of reoffending of reoffending every and, single clinical specialist and psychiatric review that happened said this motherfucker has a 76% chance of reoffending I cannot believe that they were like, yeah, that's okay. And they he said, can go out. Yeah, like, let's, like, let's grant that review for him to have essentially the how good the, was controlled that exit. How good was that lawyer? Because exactly, anyone had exactly. anyone just walking up and simply just reminding after, like, honestly, I wouldn't have even written more than a page argument ag- against keeping this guy in his in fucking penitentiary because it would have just literally been in seventy six font. 76% chance of reoffending. And the good thing about that, though, is that when Oak Ridge slash Waypoint uh-huh. took those stats to the attorney general and were like, listen, I don't know how the fuck this guy got granted permission. Mm-hmm. Here's all of the reports. Here's what every single clinical specialist and psychiatric assessment had well, to say. You, you got to understand that he had a great lawyer who probably just bought the committee double doubles and they were just really grateful. <laughs> honestly though paid it forward that's the scary part is that that lawyer was so good yeah that's gonna eat away at me i, I wonder i don't think what I, that the I, fuck their reason was i don't think i put that i don't think i put this quote in here maybe i'll come to it but um another lawyer mm-hmm. someone who like mostly defended um plaintiffs mm-hmm. was like i don't know how this guy still operates and is able to be a lawyer but he should be disbarred for this disgusting display that really? he that he put on in favor of a man who has a seventy six percent chance of reoffending, I forget what source I read that in, 
Um, it's definitely one that will be linked. But yeah, well, something happened because I know there's the whole like you know you can't hate defendants because everyone needs a defendant. But mm. what did he do? It's just gross. What did he do to convince? Like that's gonna eat away at me. What did you do to convince a whole that group review of- board to agree that he he can be transferred? And the only the only the only difference when he was uh, pursuing and pushing for him to be transferred, they said, "Okay, well, we won't transfer him to London like you're asking. We'll transfer him to Toronto." You know what's funny? So he still did a great job. Yeah. So they had they were thinking about the things he said actively because they decided, no, we won't put him in London. But you had great enough points that we'll put him in Toronto instead. Oh, so gross. So it's funny that you were mentioning that because when you were talking about um, his application before you said that they actually went with it. Um, yeah. I was just thinking of like how. When they're assessing these things, um, courts usually look at. Um, not just, you know, rehabilitation, but also the harm that they've caused um, the victims and victims' families, and then the security that they feel afterwards. And I was going like, well, they're not going to let him go, right? Because there's that. And then they're like, they literally went by the book and just to write that off was like, well, just move him to Toronto. So therefore, that's off our list. Exactly. That's nuts. Which means going back to the fact that he had a good enough lawyer that they were swayed by him. And the points you were making about how, like, well, at the end of the day, we don't want the victim, the victims, because there is two surviving victims mm-hmm. and the victims, murder victims, families to feel threatened. Fine. Let's just put them in a different place. So instead of putting them back west, we'll put them east and we'll put them in Toronto. Yeah, let's put them in the fucking highest density city and probably but one of the highest density in Canada. At least it was appealed yep. and it was canceled and he was not allowed to move. Yep. And as far as I know, he... Like, it's his right to apply every single year to be transferred. It's too much. But as far as I know, he's never, that's never been granted. He's denied each time. And he's still behind the walls of the maximum security branch of Waypoint Penetanguishene with Krusty Rusty. So that that was the attorney general that eventually said no, right? Yeah. So um, Oak Ridge, which is the branch of mental health facility at Waypoint in Penetanguishene, mm-hmm. they they were the ones that petitioned the attorney general and said, we have to appeal this. This is a disgrace. Yeah. He, Christian McGee cannot be let out. Mm-hmm. He is absolutely still a high risk offender. Look at all of the statistics that we've made. Look at all of the assessments we have. Do not let him out. Yeah. He needs to be in maximum security. Yeah. So it was the place he's currently held at that said, no, attorney general, read our case. Do mm-hmm. not let him go. And and good for good for the facilities to do that right to the attorney general because if an attorney general about faces on that and mm-hmm. just dunks on this fucker mm-hmm. and says like absolutely not happening, I'm personally taking a stand, there's no one in the government that's just gonna be like, Yes. I'm gonna go against that again. I'm like, like no way. Someone is gonna be like an attorney general literally <laughs> fucking changed this. I Don't am be an like idiot. Smiling ear to ear because that is absolutely a fact. So each time that something could come up where he's petitioning and and let's say, you know, in his eyes or his lawyer's eyes, quote unquote, they have a really good argument. Mm -hmm. It will permanently be on his record that the attorney general read all reviews by any sort of clinical specialist, by any sort of psychiatric professional that says "Mm -mm, this guy's dangerous. 
has a 76% chance of reoffending. We will not let this monster motherfucker out. Nothing like a potential scandal in being released to make sure that you rot in that fucking facility. Exactly. Yeah, it's perfect. So that is uh, 13 of the murders during this period in Forest City that are accounted for. We have Mutton Chops. He was the first serial killer to be solved in Forest City. Krusty Rusty Mm -hmm. would be the second in 1978. And so even though Gerald Archer was found guilty and technically he was the first to be sent to prison in 1971, he was only sentenced for murdering Belva Russell. So not a serial killer. So he wasn't a serial killer technically. Mm -hmm. And DNA wouldn't solve Jane Woolley's case until 2000. Right. And Edith Otier is officially, uh, well, she's unofficially credited to Gerald Archer, but it's still technically unsolved. Mm-hmm. So he's technically the third serial killer to come out. Yeah, one of those unfortunate, unofficial yeah, declarations. Exactly. Okay. So the first was Mutton Chops, mm-hmm. the Mad Slasher. Yep. The second was the Bedroom Strangler. And the third was Gerald Archer. So we've covered all three of them. Krusty Rusty, motherfucking bedroom strangler. He took the lives of Mary Catherine Hicks, Alice Jane Ralston, Eleanor Diane Hartwick, Doris Ethel Brown, Diane Beats, Luella George, and Donna Veldboom. <laughs> Dennis Reynolds. <laughs> no. Because you posted that photo, a side-by-side of Dennis Reynolds from It's Always Sunny with Gerald Archer, and I cannot unsee it because holy fuck, I get the the, vibes. Did you like the music I played with it? I loved it all. I loved it all. The Wild Horses from Buffalo Bill. (laughs) You're my my meme king. It was amazing. took me so long to put that together. It was beautiful, and I can't unsee it. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. And then my one friend, Mia, shout out Mia, love you. Uh... She was like, yo, this guy doesn't even look human. And she put a little emoji of a lizard. <laughs> he doesn't look human. He looks like some he looks like a fucking lizard person wearing skin. Exactly. Yep. So that motherfucker, Gerald Archer, the L- London chambermaid slayer, he took the lives of Jane Woolley, Edith Otier, and Belva Russell. And then Mutton Chops, Mad Slasher, Christian McGee, he took the lives of Edith Ann Barksy. Louise Jenner and Susan Lynn Scholes. So let's all just God bless all these women. Yeah. Obviously it like it provides no comfort to know that there's still so many unsolved murders attributable to at least three more unidentified serial killers mm-hmm. out of Forest City. And one day I do want to dive into those remaining cases. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about all of these other women who, and and boys, women and boys. It's not, there's unsolved cases of of so many people in London, Ontario. And That's the, the thing, areas. right? They're vulnerable, then they're potentially a victim. They're an easy target. It's so sad. And, and I do want to dive into those one day. But I mean, I've done, <laughs> I've been in Forest City for three weeks now. Mm-hmm. I I gotta get out. I don't I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> yeah. So we're next week when we come out with an episode. It's gonna be something different. 
I'm going to continue to research these women and boys that deserve their story to be told. I have multiple books that I am currently reading and that have helped so much so far in these the researches of the cases I've told you. But I I got to get out. Yeah, let's sh- let's sh- let's shift <laughs> some gears. Let's shift so, some gears. Next week, I don't want to say it's going to be like lighter because that's just incredibly undercutting i almost said palate cleanser but it's not gonna be no it's 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 gonna be something different well it might not be murder i don't even know i i honestly have no idea what case that i'm gonna cover next week but it's it's just gonna be different it's Mm -hmm. not gonna be a sadistic disgusting rapist murderer from london ontario Mm-hmm. It will be different, but I got to get out of Forest City. I can't be here anymore. Yeah, we need to change the scenery. So I'm going to keep reading these books. I'm going to keep researching. One day, I promise you all, I will tell the stories of these other victims who 100% deserve their stories to be told. Yep. I just can't be in Forest City anymore. Yeah, when we get to it, you can li- you can listen to those mm-hmm. uh, in it'll succession be like a, too. Exactly. It'll be sort of like a reoccurring little series. Yeah. And I'll tell you the stories when I have enough information about the victims and i can do them justice hey and hoping we, hopefully we can get some birthdays do a little oh, bit of analysis on that. that is so important so actually that's a really 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 good point because my plan is to very soon if not next week the week after is to have steph back mm-hmm. so she's been researching like interesting cases where birthdays birth times which is the most important part yeah they're available so that we can have her back on the show soon and we can dive into those charts and the skies and everything again to discuss it. And I Love had, it. I, I'm excited. So yeah. she, she'll, she'll. Can't get that anywhere else either. It's, it's such a blank spot. She, oh. And like, and <laughs> she's so spot, genuine about it. I know what yeah. you mean. Yeah. It's a, it's a like, it's niche. Yeah. It's incredibly But niche. it's super interesting. It's really fun. Listen and... to the Tom Thompson one. That was fun. Tom Thompson one is like my pride and joy and I I remember Dyson having conversations with you like going back like years ago at this point and telling you like Tom Thompson is the first case I want to do if I had a true crime podcast Mm -hmm. I love that man's I want to get his story out there and talk about it yeah so to have Steph on it Mm -hmm. who's my best friend God bless you Steph I love you it was really special. It was a great episode. I love them. So mm-hmm. we're going to have Steph back on here soon. Uh, in the meantime, she couldn't because the series I wanted to work on, these motherfuckers don't have birthdays available. <laughs> so like, what is she going to do? Come out here and tell you the birth chart of 1948? No. It's so perfect that these freaks don't even have something as conventional as a birthday <sighs> so available. So fucking frustrating. How and they that... all turned out to be fucking big three from London. The big three. I totally stole that from uh, Vanessa Brown. She's writing. She wrote an amazing book, and it's called The Forest City Killer. Mm-hmm. And it's going to detail all of these other unsolved murders that I plan on studying, so I can one day deliver to you. And it's a book I'm using for my sources. And goddamn, she's amazing. Yeah, I was going to say that that book really, really had an impact on you. You really liked it. Sitting right there. It's, it's right there. Yeah. It's a beautiful book. Uh, I've read I've read three books for this. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm halfway through the Forest City Killer. Uh, the other two books I read were Murder City, the untold story of Canada's serial killer capital, 
That was by Markle. Markle? Megan Markle. Wow, hooray. Megan, get out here. The German gal herself. <laughs> okay, no. Oh, you want to talk about serial killers? Apparently, there's a story where Putin found out Megan Markle is <laughs> deathly scared of dogs. So, you know, presidents <laughs> and, and stuff go to other countries, like they would go to the White House and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, when she went to go visit Putin, <laughs> oh, when, when yeah. he greeted her, yeah. he had all these people lined up with dogs mm -hmm. and she had to walk a line of all these dogs. Anyways, that's sorry, sick. that's a little fucked up story. Anyway. Let's, and their next episode will be uh, Putin. Oh my God, no, we have listeners in Russia. Well, you know what? Welcome to the outside world, guys. Putin's a little you weird. You know what? I'm 2% Russian. I think I discussed this How last doing, episode. Dad? I hope you don't mind. Call you oh, wait, no, I did it backwards. How are you doing, Vlad? Hope you don't mind. I call you dad. You do so much it. better. Who's that guy? Viper? <laughs> Viper's views. If you yeah. guys are listening to that, go YouTube Viper's views. Doesn't and like laugh carrots. Your ass off. <laughs> Doesn't like carrots, huh? Shows a Nazi. God bless. Go look. He's I love that man. Apparently got a How Irish... you doing, Vlad? Hope you don't mind. I call you dad. He's got an Irish uh TV show now, apparently. It's really funny. Anyway. Love him. Imagine he listened. I would die. I would shit my pantaloons. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah so as i was saying Doesn't like pantaloons huh it's like pantaloons huh so as i was saying the three books i read i'm halfway through the forest city okay the forest city killer by vanessa brown uh i read murder city the untold story of canada's serial killer capital that's by michael arnfield and i read north cold north killers canadian serial murder by lee meller Lee Meller, that's a great book mm -hmm. title, by the way. Mm -hmm. That's phenomenal. His his are great because his he is outlining like so many monsters that came out of Canada. Mm -hmm. And he like amazingly captures the key points and and like just heart-wrenching parts of the cases, but manages to put them in this completely digestible amount of text. And it's so hard to do. He's so good at it. Like it's a great book. These are all great books. I'm like I said, I'm only halfway done for a city killer, but Vanessa Brown nails it. Like out of these three books, that one is my absolute favorite. Mm. She's legit, and she's like she's a uh, uh, like native to London. Like she's she was born and raised in London, mm -hmm. so she's been surrounded by all of the lore, all of the stories, and everything, and completely has it just divulged right in and it's great hmm. so what was the last thing i said <sighs> oh we were talking about steph coming coming back mm, and, and mm. to remind people that she's had, on the scene thank you i had scrolled all the way down to see the exact titles of the books mm -hmm. and yes so um Steph's gonna come back like she will she'll come back soon like I said she's just out there she's in she's researching like very interesting case cases it's very important for her to have the birthdays and birth times mm -hmm. uh so she'll be back I hope next week but if not I'll still be at you here I am your girl maybe Dyson will be on that one too mm -hmm. we'll come at you with a really good story and in the meantime I asked her if she had any sort of like words of wisdom for the mercury mercury retrograde that's happening and of course she came at me with very 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 good advice so 
the mercury mercury i don't know why i can't say mercury i think i'm trying to say mer- mercury retrograde yeah i think that's it so it's coming out as mercurygrade <laughs> <laughs> the mercurygrade <laughs> okay <laughs> steph i'm so sorry i love you i'm not trying to do you shame so the mercury <laughs> a mercury a mercury it just reminds me of margaritas oh mm. mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Let's go to Margaritaville. Oh, is that a fucking place? Can we get wasted away there? Are you asking me if Margaritaville is really a place? Is it really a place? Have you ever been to Niagara Falls? Yes. Margaritaville. Is an actual place? It's a main attraction right across from the Falls View Casino. I didn't know that. Okay, so we're going to go to Margaritaville. We're going to get wasted away in Margaritaville. Okay, so uh, Steph gave me this little blurb to share with you all so mercury went into retrograde on the 14th and since this podcast has astrological aspects i wanted her to sort of like give me a little blurb about mercury retrograde to just sort of like a nice little message to send everyone off with so mercury stationed conjunct saturn so that means that this new year A lot of people will have like certain goals and resolutions that they're working towards, but it's a good idea to be realistic and not take on more than you can handle. If you aren't being realistic and practical, this retrograde will show the faults with your expectations. So it allows for an opportunity to reevaluate and take on a more reasonable approach to truly accomplishing your goals. This mercury. Mercury. I don't know why. This mercurial advice. This mercury retrograde will be influenced by the Venus retrograde pattern and Saturn strong presence. So it's also a good time to work on old projects and relationships and figure out how to make them work. So in the situation where you're working on like old projects, old relationships, whatever, stuff that you have repeatedly come back to. This might be a good time to sort of accept help or consider help outside influences of any kind. It's a good idea to maybe finally bring that into play. Lastly, remember to be extra smart with spending money and making long-term decisions. That's why I said no to the casino. (laughs) Motherfucker has an answer for everything. Thanks. I'm paid to do it. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to this week. If you like the show, please rate, review, subscribe, follow, all that jazz. Be sure to visit our website, darkadaptationpodcast.ca, where you can further support the show by buying us a coffee. Follow us on Instagram, at darkadaptationpodcast. Share the show with the spooky bitches in your life. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, wherever you like to listen. Thank you for the support and the kind words. And we'll catch you on the dark side. Bye. Bye. Ugh. Oh, oh, Doritos nachos. Oh, I smell it. <laughs> Would this be dark adaptation if your girl didn't burp? 